Well, like I said just a few seconds ago, my name is Jason and uh, one of the pastors here and really excited to be jumping back into being in the middle of a series that we're calling Addicted to Me. Addicted to Me. And, here, and here's the, the big idea of the series. The big idea of the series is that all of us are tempted to think and all of us kind of buy into this idea that if we got more of what we wanted, we'd be happier. And even as I say that, you're like, it makes a lot of sense to me, Right? makes a lot of sense to me that if I got more of what I wanted, that I would be happier. But we've all probably lived long enough and maybe have experienced that everything that we want doesn't always make us happy, that there are some things that God wants for our lives that maybe we don't necessarily want for our lives, and that if we can choose the God things in, in a lot of ways, over our things, because doesn't it seem like they're always going against each other, conflicting, like what God may want us to do or a choice God would want, want us to make and a choice we would want to make, that we believe if we will choose the God things, that this will be the best year we've ever had, that 2015 will be the best year. It's still January, so there's still hold, we're still holding out hope for New Year's resolutions. We're still trying to be the better version of us. We're still kind of in that self-improvement zone. And so we don't want to just focus on losing weight, being happier at work. We think those things are are great. But you can get everything else right around you and not be right internally. The, The soul, the heart stuff, the spiritual stuff, you can get everything else right and there won't be joy and peace and contentment and that that life kind of spirit inside of you because the heart's not right. But the opposite is also true, that you can have everything else around you going wrong and terribly and just bad but have the internal stuff right, the heart, the soul, the, the, the Jesus stuff right inside, and there is a peace and a joy and a contentment that comes from that. And so this series is about you making three choices. We're asking you at the beginning of 2015 to make three choices. And last week, the choice that we placed before you is for you to prioritize what God prioritizes. Specifically, we were talking about church, God's house. And what we said is that when I prioritize God's house, God blesses my house. When I prioritize God's house, God blesses my house. So we're not gonna leave it up to a 50-50 coin flip anymore, waking up on Sunday morning. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? What time is kickoff? Are my kids whining? You know, you know I, I, we're not gonna leave it up to some chance. We're gonna go ahead and decide. We actually gave you calendars uh, for all the Sundays for the rest of the year and all the legitimate reasons to miss church. We said, you know what? We're gonna be intentional and we're gonna prioritize what God prioritizes. That was choice number one, okay? Today, choice number two that we're placing in front of you, that we're asking you to make, is I'm asking you to make the choice to allow God to speak to you. I'm asking you to make the choice to allow God to speak to you. Now, as I say that, like, I don't know what you picture, or that maybe that freaks you out or scares you, or you think, oh my goodness, what in the world are we talking about today? Because when I say God's speaking to you, some of you picture Darth Vader and the mask and this like, you know, like, that's a bad Darth Vader, but you know what I'm talking about, all right? I could bring Corey up here to do that. He, he's got one in his office, right? Or maybe some of you picture like Field of Dreams, James Earl Jones and the trees blowing back and forth and this, you know, like uh, Morgan Freeman voice or something, you know, and you're not... You're not you're not, some of you, it's like, it's a horoscope or, or a magic eight ball or something. It's like just God speaking to me or giving me signs or whatever it is. And I, 
I want to encourage you today to allow God to speak to you. I want to introduce you to a new word. When you came in, uh, you got your worship guide. Inside that worship guide is a little sheet of paper. If you want to go ahead and take that out, there's a little outline in there for you um, to follow along with the message today. But I want to introduce you to a new word you probably never heard of because you've never heard of it because it's not a real word. The word is barf gabble. Everybody say barf gabble. Barf gabble is not a real word. It's a made-up word by the magazine or the journal uh, Psychology Today. And it kind of means what you think it means. Barf, we know what barf is, and that's really what it means. And gabble is kind of like when you ramble on or jargon to kind of like you're just barfing, rambling, jargon, that, right? Here's the definition. The regurgitation of intelligent-sounding words or thoughts. The regurgitation of intelligent sounding words or thoughts. How many people have a friend who uses a lot of barf gabble? Anybody? You got a barf gabble friend? Yeah. All right. Well, here's what Psychology Today did. Psychology Today hired an actor, and they sent this actor as a keynote speaker, one of the speakers, to a seminar at one of these like uh, you know motel conference or hotel conference, um, like where you know doctors come together or you know big time business investors whatever come together. So they come together for these you know two or three day meetings, and people from within their field of study will speak. Uh, and you and I would be so bored at these things. I mean, we'd be so bored. But it's a lot of insider language, and 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 they speak. And so Psychology Today hired an actor. And they gave this actor like 25 buzzwords, 25 kind of vocab words to go along with the field of study that he was going to. And so he puts together this speech that makes absolutely no sense, says nothing, has no insight whatsoever, but strategically places all of the buzzwords in the key, in the key words, right? So he goes in, this actor goes in and speaks. And the way it works at these events is that after the speakers get done, at the end of the whole event, at the end of the event, all the attenders will uh, grade or kind of, uh, you know, on a scale of one to five, how each speaker did so that they can get feedback. So at the end of the, the weekend or whatever, they, they rate the speakers and the actor who said nothing helpful about the field of study and only used the buzzwords or the keywords on a scale of one to five got a five. He got a five, right? And here's what the Psychology Today journal said. Here's what they said. The conclusion of the study was this, that when someone who is a respected source in an area we care about says things we don't understand, we just assume they're brilliant, right? When somebody in in an area that we care about says things that we don't understand, we just assume they're smarter than everybody else, right? Right? And this is not just true in like highbrow, you know, medicine or business. This is true in things that we love. Maybe you're a huge football fan. Have you ever noticed how much football commentators and announcers barf gabble, right? They'll say things like this. They'll say, man, he's got such lateral quickness at the point of attack. And we're like, okay, lateral, like they've said it so much now that we're like, that's true. He does have a lot of lateral quickness at the point of attack. What is that? You know, like, I think I know what they mean, but... They just phrase some words together, put some words together, and we go, man, they are really, they know more about the game than I do. I mean, they're really smart. They'll say things like, man, that quarterback has such eye discipline. What is eye discipline? I don't know, like, is that when you're driving by Hooters and you don't look over? Like, is that eye discipline? Uh, You know, like, how does a quarterback have that? I don't know what that is. Or they'll say, like, man, he's got such arm talent. Like, do they mean strong arm? Do they mean he can throw it a long way? Like, 
But, but we're all tempted to kind of sound more intelligent than we actually are. And, and this applies to the Bible as well. You know that, right? Like, all the stats would tell us that Bible IQ nationwide is at an all-time low, that all of us know less about the Bible than previous generations knew about the Bible, that our Bible IQ level is just low. So what will happen is, kind of a natural outcome of that is that you will come to church, which is incredible. We, we talked about that last week. We think that's great. You'll come to church, and I'll stand up here, and I will be speaking on areas that you care about because you're here, but a lot of times maybe you're not totally sure or understand what I'm talking about. You'll assume I'm just smarter than you or for the sake of this conversation that God speaks to me more than he speaks to you. And you'll go, well, that's just the way it works. You know, I mean, Jason's a pastor. He's a preacher. God speaks to him more than he speaks to me. I don't ever get anything like that. I don't have any insights like that. And we work very hard around here to try to make the Bible as applicable as possible, to make the teaching as helpful as possible. And I I hope that happens. I hope you feel that way. But God never intended for you to come to a church 70 or 90 minutes a week and to listen to one man speak and that be how you hear from God. That was, it was never intended to be that way. But the truth is actually that God wants to speak to each and every one of you. God doesn't just want you to read the Bible. God wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to each And every one of you, look at Job chapter uh, 33, verse 14 through 17. It'll be up on the screen for you. But it says, for God speaks again and again. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. God is speaking all the time. But the people do not recognize it. He says, God's speaking. He spoke to you this morning. He spoke to you yesterday. He spoke to you on Friday. God is always speaking to you. I know that freaks you out a little bit, but he's always speaking. The problem is, the Bible says in Job chapter 33, that you and I don't recognize when he is speaking to us. It says sometimes he speaks in dreams. And I'm not here to try to decipher all of what that means, but there are times when you wake up and you're like, man, that was a dream, but that felt like more than a dream, right? Or or it says sometimes he speaks in visions of the night. I've woke up in the middle of the night before, right? You know? It says sometimes, uh, he'll do it when deep sleep falls. It says uh, people lie in their beds. And I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, and we'll talk about that in a second, that it seems to happen when we're laying down. And uh, he whispers in the ears sometimes, and, and that kind of, this is not the only way, but in this verse, it's kind of like there are times when you feel something or you're led. It's like, man, where'd that come from? Where'd that idea? And I'm not talking about an audible voice because... I, I don't think I've ever heard the audible voice of God in my life, okay? 31 years old, a lot of time with Jesus. I don't think I've ever heard God be like, Jason, never, not once, okay? But I've heard tons of whispers. I've felt tons of leadings, things like, mm, I don't know, I think that's God. Sometimes I've been wrong. Sometimes I've been right. But, that, but like there, he whispers in there. It's just this idea of like, where'd that come from? Where'd that idea, that thought, that leading in my heart come from? Have you ever been at work and you just saw somebody across the room and you just felt like you were supposed to go talk to them? That's God speaking to you, right? You ever taken your trash down to the front of the driveway and your neighbor was taking their trash down at the same time and you felt like you were supposed to say something to them? It's God speaking to you. Have you ever been reading something and, and you got a thought or an idea? Like that's God speaking. It says sometimes he terrifies them with a warning. Sometimes it's a bright red stop sign or light that says, what are you doing? Stop. It may be friends who care about you saying, don't do that. 
And you're like, well, I'm just looking for a sign from God. And you got 17 friends going, no. You're like, I'm just waiting on God to speak to me. You know, he's speaking, right? He's speaking. So I want you to know today that God wants to speak to you. He doesn't want to speak to me for you. He wants to speak to you. Individually, he wants to have relationship with you. But for whatever reason, it just is an intimidating idea. It's just an intimidating thought that God would speak, that the God of the universe would speak. And how do I even posture myself? How do I do that? You know, how, you know what version of the Bible do I read, Jason? And do I go into a room? Do I have a closet? You know, I mean, is, if it's audio Bible, is that half discount? I mean, like, what, how does this all work? I don't, it's just such a, a big intimidating thought that God would want to speak to me. What, that's not a new thing. That, that all the way back in, in really Exodus, like you go all the way back just this, when God was in the garden with Adam and Eve, like he just showed up and just took a stroll with them and just talked to them and hung out and no one was intimidated by that at all. But then Adam and Eve kind of broke that, messed that up a little bit. And in Exodus chapter 20, we see Moses and God is trying to speak to Moses and the people. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, it says, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain. So in other words, God's trying to speak, but as he's speaking, there's thunder and lightning and shaking and smoke and like, that's a little scary. Anybody, right? That's like, whoa, okay, that's, that's pretty scary right there. And so the people, like God is trying to speak to the people, and they're going, um, no thank you. No thank you. We don't want any of that. Moses is up on this mountain. This is all going on, right? The Bible says they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And look, this is where it all kind of started. Verse 19. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. So the people said to Moses, listen, I'll tell you what, you're our leader. You go hear from God. You come tell us what God wants us to know. We'll trust you and we'll hear from you, but we don't want to do that because that scares us. That intimidates us. And we have been following that model for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Jason, you're the leader. You hear from God and you tell us. But that's not the way God intended it to be. God wants to speak to you personally, one-on-one, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you follow Jesus or not, whether you were good this week or you weren't good this week, God wants to speak to you. Matter of fact, I would be willing to bet that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he's been trying to speak to you a long time. He just wants you to stop for a second and listen. He just wants you to listen. And so it's this intimidating idea, this intimidating thought. We can think the Bible's too uh, too intelligent, too big, too scary, whatever it is. Did you know the New Testament was actually written in Greek, but at the time there was like three levels of Greek. There was like highbrow, uh, scholar Greek. There was like middle-class Greek. And then there was like street slang Greek. There was like poor man's Greek. And did you know that when God inspired Paul and the disciples and to, to write these books that the New Testament Greek was written in like, like slang, street, uneducated Greek? Incredible, right? Written for the average man. The Bible is not written for theologians and professors and academic types to decipher all of the commas and the this and nows. That's not what the Bible was written for. The Bible was written so that you and I could hear God speak to us. We could have a connection, to have an exchange with God. 
And it's not supposed to be intimidating. I want to read you a verse out of Matthew chapter 6. If you've been around this church long at all, you've heard me read this because I, I love it. I mean, it's, it, it, it is what we're trying to communicate, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, and I'm reading this out of the message. This is Jesus talking to people who want to have relationship with him but are intimidated, spending time with God. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It says, here's what I want you to do. Jesus instructing them. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Anybody in here ever tempted to role play for God? You're tempted to act like somebody you're not. You know, you, you've heard me say this a lot, and it's, you know, it's true. I'm trying to get a little better, but like if somebody asks me to pray over a meal because I'm a pastor, I feel so much pressure. Like I got to bring something good, you know, like dear heavenly father, we are gathered here to consume this nutritious palate of, it's like, what? Where'd that, I don't even know where that came from, you know? Or I'll pray for people at the hospital and like they look at me when I get done, they're like, that's all you got? Like that's the best you brought? Like, I'm sorry, that's all I got, you know? And you're just tempted to be somebody you're not. You're tempted to act like somebody you're not, to talk to God like, like he doesn't know who you really are, right? He doesn't know, right? He says, get away, quiet, secluded place. Don't act like somebody you're not. A lot of, listen, I could probably get in trouble for saying this because I don't think pastors are supposed to say this, but listen, like, use the language you use. There may be some curse words in there. That's all right. Use the language you use. You got to start somewhere. I went to the hospital one time to meet with this lady who had gotten in a car wreck. She was paralyzed. And while she was in the hospital, her son had gotten in a motorcycle accident and he had been killed. And she was as angry at God as she had ever been in her life. And I got to be honest with you, I was a little angry at God. And she didn't want to hear nothing I had to say. And I just said to her, I said, listen, if you want to cuss God out, I say go for it. If you want to flip him the bird, I say go for it. Because God would rather you talk to him about the way that you feel than to run away from him and to act like that you're not allowed to talk to him anymore, okay? So, what's, so God says what's most important is that we're communicating, not that you're acting like you're supposed to communicate a certain way, all right? And don't tell anybody I said that because I'll get in trouble, okay? All right. Okay. He says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. God already knows what you're thinking anyway, okay? All right. And he says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And this is my favorite part. He says, the focus will shift from you to God. And some of you know what I'm talking about, but like we can go into trying to hear God speak and spend time with God and we can be so focused on all the things we're supposed to do and we got the list that Jason gave us and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and we got some like Kenny G playing over here and we got like, you know, like some, some we lit some candles and I mean, everything's ready. We're trying and we're like, we're gonna do it. We're, we're gonna hear from God today. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it, right? And the whole time, like, we're not even focused on God. We're focused on all the things we got to do to hear from God, right? And, and Jesus says, just get somewhere. Stop acting like somebody you're not and just hang out there long enough because what's going to happen is at some point, without you even realizing how it happened, something's going to shift. And it's not going to be about everything you're trying to do to make it right. It's just going to, the room's going to get filled with God's presence, Right? 
And it says, the last part, you will begin to sense his grace. And I love that word of sense. It's just like you get done spending time with God. Not every day. Every day is not a holy day. But you get done and you're like, man, I just read a chapter of the Bible. I just wrote some stuff down, but something happened. I don't know how it happened or when it happened, but I can just sense, I can just feel that God was with me. The presence of God, that God was, that God was with me. Now, what I just read in Matthew 6, you know, get away to a quiet place. Don't act like somebody that you're not, okay? Don't try to follow a bunch of ritualistic rules to try to do a magic trick for God. Just hang out in God's presence. Does that sound intimidating? It doesn't to me. It sounds like the fourth or fifth date with my wife. You know, the first or second date, you're trying to kind of be somebody you're not a little bit. You know what I mean, you know? couple extra swipes of deodorant, you know, you comb the hair with a little extra gel, you know what I'm talking about. But about date four or five, when y'all both realize this is working well, there is like a, you know what, that was nice. That was like, we were just together. God says, yes, that right there, that's what I want. That's what I want. No pretense, we're just together, okay? It doesn't sound intimidating at all. And the power of it, and what I hope to communicate with you today is that there is a difference between trying to be disciplined and read your Bible and pray and cross off your list and and be the disciplined Christian. There's a difference between that and having God speak to you. There's a difference. And if all you've ever experienced is, you know, biting down and, 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 and being disciplined, no wonder it never lasts very long. It's awful, right? But if you've ever experienced God speaking to you, it puts this longing, this hunger in you to get back to that place and to have him do it again and again. I want to show you what I mean. Like when when we're spending time with God, will this work? Yeah, I think this will work. Okay. They had to get me some more balloons. I used too many last service. Um, So when we're trying to be disciplined and we're trying to spend time with God out of this desire to be a, a good disciplined Christian, So I'm going to get my Bible out and I'm going to pray and I'm going to do this, okay? It fills us up. We talked about this last week, right? That going to church, you know, to try to be good, like that, yeah, it fills us up. Or whatever it is, like anything that we think would fill us up because it's good for us, whatever, it fills us up, right? So I'm spending time with God. I'm following a reading plan because that's what good Christians do and that's what disciplined people do. And, and, you know, that's what I'm going to do, Jason. I did my duty, Jason. I read my Bible like you told me to read it. I did that. Like we can do it. And even in the obligation of doing it, it fills us up a little bit. Like even when you do the right things for the wrong reasons, God still blesses that, which is crazy how God does that, but he does. The problem is, is that, and I don't even know any other way to explain it, but like that's kind of it. Like we get that and then like that's all it is. But there's something different about being in God's presence and wanting him to speak to us that that this represents like revelation and blessing, like the idea that the light bulb moments with God, getting new ideas from God, being reminded of old truths from God, feeling this infusion of joy and hope and spending time with God, that it fills us up, but it fills us up in a different way. That we're being filled with God's presence and God's spirit. And we didn't just read some verses. We didn't just cross off a list or like, oh, well, I, you know, I did my good duty for the day. No, we spent time with God. There was a shift. It was not about us anymore. It was about God. 
And the difference when we do that is that, yeah, it fills us up, but there's something, I may have too much in here, let's see. It fills us up, but it does something different. It doesn't leave us like when we're done or when we leave that room or when we leave that setting, right? It's somehow it lifts us. There's a difference in us trying to fill ourselves up due to discipline and God filling us up with his spirit. And when we decide to be in God's presence and to have him inject us and and speak to us, he fills us with his spirit and it lifts us up. And, And if you've ever experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. There's a difference between God filling you with his spirit and knowing you've been with him and knowing he's spoken, knowing that he's spoken to you than you checking off five checklists because you got through five chapters. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus spent his ministry dealing with religious people who were going, I don't know what the deal is. I, I, mean, I, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I recited these prayers, I did this, I did this, I did this, and did this. And Jesus is like, hello, I'm over here. I'm over here. And so the disciples who walked around with him and just heard him speak and spent time with him learned way more than the guys who knew everything over here just filling everything out, right? On the sheet of paper you got, I gave you three fill in the blanks. I wanna give these to you of how the Bible helps us, how, 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 how God's speaking to us, time with God, how it helps us. Number one, it helps us to make the right decisions. When we spend time with God, it helps us to make the right decisions. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong I mean, if you spend much time in God's word and God's presence, like there will be conviction on your life and you'll know when you're in the wrong. Nobody's got to tell you. You're reading the Bible, but the Bible's reading you, right? Correct us when we're wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. I don't mean that we open the Bible and it says take that job over that job. I don't mean that we open the Bible and it says date that person over that person. I don't mean that it says go to that school over that school but that the more time we spend with God and the more time that he's filling us with his spirit, that he's lifting us, he's, he, right? What, what's gonna happen is we're gonna come to places and forks in the road in life and we will just feel God in us knowing and having discernment to know the right decisions to make. But it's not even just about major life moments. The more time you spend with God and the more God speaks to you, you're gonna come now again to decisions in your life that are just wrong decisions for you, things you shouldn't do, habits you're trying to break, addictions you're trying to kick. And you've been trying to be a better person out of discipline, like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, but life is so much easier when you feel like your soul is filled up with God's spirit. And it helps you to begin to make the right decisions the right group of friends, the right places to hang out, the right conversations to have. The Bible does that for us. It corrects us where we're wrong. You will not spend consistent time with God and not feel conviction about the things in your life that are wrong. It's impossible. And it teaches us and helps us to do what is right. Number two, it gives us the right attitude. And some of us need an attitude adjustment. That, that spending time with God gives us the right attitude. Psalm 119, 28 says, I weep with sorrow, but encourage me by your word. That, that there's something happened when life just sucks and everything's going wrong and we spend time with God and he fills our spirit and something happens and we get lifted. Mondays aren't as terrible. The people we work with aren't as stupid. 
Everybody doesn't get on our nerves as much. It's not always everybody else's fault. Somehow now our soul and our heart is different. Our spirit is different. And God's word and God speaking to us has given us an attitude adjustment. It's given us the right attitude. I I want to... I'm going to make a statement here that may sound a little bit aggressive or bold, but, but I believe it's true with all of my heart. I believe if you woke up and spent time with God every morning, it would be hard for you to walk into work with a bad attitude. I'm going to stand by that. Even when the bus in front of you stops 17 times on your road, even when they are still doing construction on the interstate, Even when the cop pulls you over for going, you know, nine over when everybody knows you get 10, you know what I'm talking about? You spend time with God, it lifts your attitude. It just, it does. And then number three, number one, it makes us right decisions. Number two, it gives us the right attitude. Number three, it keeps us going in the right direction. And nobody knows what tomorrow holds. Nobody knows what next year is gonna hold. We really are living life kind of like we're walking in the dark, that all we have and all we know is, what's now and right in front of us. And some of us are trying to live life walking in the dark without a light, without a flashlight, without a lamp. But the Bible says in 119, Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So in other words, when we spend time in God's word, it's like, it's like turning on the high beams in the car late at night, that now the path is becoming more clear I'm taking the right path because I don't know what next week holds, but I do know that I feel better about my next step because there's a light that's guiding my path. If you've ever, you know, flown on an airplane and and you listen to the security thing that hasn't changed in 70 years, they say, in the event of an emergency, your path will be lighted and and guide you to the nearest exit. Just look for the lights. And, the, and, and, and Psalm 119 says that when we hear God speak to us and he is leading us, not when we're crossing off a checklist, but when we're spending time in God's presence and he's speaking to us, it lights our path. And we can't see way out in the future, but we can see our next steps and have peace about those. And so many of you have given your heart to Christ here. You started following Jesus here. And, and, and you, you, you were addicted, but you're two, three, five, six months clean from an addiction, or you were uh, in a toxic, poisonous relationship, and you got out of that, or, or, or whatever it is. And, and because of the momentum of you following Jesus and the excitement of that, it launched you and launched your life in the right direction. But there will come a point where that excitement and that momentum of that decision will wear off. And what you have to have in order to continue to go in the right direction is the word of God to continue to guide you and to push you to go. And I, one of my favorite games growing up was Super Mario Kart. And I loved when you would hit those arrows, you know what I'm talking about? And you would go as fast, and you would shoot you forward. I can tell you, I've lived it, I've experienced it, I've heard people tell me stories, that you'll be, you'll be serving God, heading in the right direction, and one morning, he will speak to you, and it's like hitting one of those arrows. And it sends you faster down that path. It keeps you going in the right direction. And so I don't want to see so many of you who, are, who, who God is doing such incredible things in your life, I don't want to see you begin to fall back into things that you know are not the best for your life because that excitement or that momentum is worn off. I want to see you get into God's word 
Have God speak to you, fill your spirit, fill your soul to keep you pushing and going in the right direction. And what's gonna happen is a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, you're gonna look back and you're not gonna realize how much progress you've made and how far God has brought you because in the, in the process of it, it was day to day. But you're gonna look back and you're gonna go, oh my gosh, that was me three years ago. Oh my gosh, that was me a year ago. Oh my gosh, that was me five years ago. It's like throwback Thursday pictures on Instagram. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, that was me. Wow, Jason, that was like three necks ago. You know what I'm talking about? Some neck fat right there. All right, so it's like, how did I get here? Well, I don't know exactly how I got here, but I know that I was spending time in the word of God. He was lighting my path, helping me make right decisions, fixing my attitude, and keeping me going in the right direction. And if you just do the right things day after day, you look back and you go, man, God's really doing something with my life because I put myself in position for him to speak to me. So I wanna challenge you today, the whole point of all of this, really, has been to challenge you to put yourself in position for God to speak to you. What I don't want you today to do today is to make some disciplined commitment in your life to start filling off a checklist of reading the Bible. And I don't even think I'm supposed to say that as a pastor today. I think I'm supposed to tell you to cross off a checklist and read the Bible. But that's stale and that's lifeless, What I want for you is I want you to say, God, I'm gonna take 15 minutes every day of my life to find a quiet, secluded, Matthew 6 type of place and stop trying to act like somebody I'm not. And when I do, God, will you just fill me with your spirit? Will you lift me up? Will you breathe into my life again? Will you fill me with this life-giving spirit? I don't wanna serve you out of ritual. I don't wanna serve you out of religion. I want relationship with Jesus, and I believe he'll do that. On the back of your sheet that you got there today is what we use. There's lots of different ways to have God speak to you, but what we promote around here and what we use is soap. Scripture observation, application, and prayer. Myself, our staff, our elders, for the most part, all of us use this model. It's a very simple model. I would never teach you or preach to you something that I'm not doing myself. This book right here is my soap journal for all of 2014. And I got my soaps written down in here, and it's very simple. You read that day, but we're not just reading, remember? We don't just want to read. We read, and when we bump into something, or something makes us go, hmm, or we go, that's interesting, or I didn't know about that, or I have a question about that, or whatever it is, we write down that scripture. Yeah, right? That's what S stands for. Observation is we just write down a few sentences or a sentence of an observation that we had about that, uh, about what we just wrote down in the scripture. It's just an idea I had, you know, and uh, this, is, this is why that stood out to me, or this is why that interests me. It's just an observation that I have. And what you're reading there on your paper is actually one of mine that I wrote down one day, right? A stands for application. I just want to write down, I want to write down how this applies to my life and what I could do with this. Some days it's very particular, other days it's not. And then lastly, P is just prayer. I'm gonna write down a prayer. And so many times at the end of the messages that we do every week, we'll say a prayer together. Those prayers come from really just time spending with God and, and writing down those prayers. And, what, and the reason I would so love for you to do this, use this SOAP model is because not, every day is not gonna be like light bulb moment. But what will happen is the more you sit down and you just quiet yourself and read and ask God to speak to you, 
you'll begin to write, and I know this freaks some people out in here, but like supernaturally, you'll just begin to write some things and you'll get done and you'll go back and you'll read it and like, where did that come from? Or you'll write something down and then a week later, you'll go back and read it and you'll go, wow, thank you, God, for speaking to me. Thank you, God, for speaking to me. I'm glad I don't have to just depend on Jason anymore to tell me about that Bible verse. God, thank you. Thank you for that. One day I was reading Exodus chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, and I came across the scripture, in the days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery, when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. It stood out to me. I love being a dad. And I, I, I feel like God has entrusted me with a great responsibility to be a dad. For my observation, I said several times, God tells the people to make sure they tell their kids what God did for them. But he says, when they ask, which means, um, which means that uh, as we honor and obey God, as I live for God in front of my kids, it will make them curious. And I need to talk to them about that. My application is, while I know God will do personal and private things in the lives of my kids, I want to be a spiritual leader that shows my kids what following Christ looks like. Sadie needs to see me reading my Bible, and we need to talk about why I do it. Prayer, worship, tithing, helping people. It will never happen by accident. I have to do it on purpose. And then I wrote down this prayer. God, I want a family that serves you together. Help me to lead them by example and give me the courage to engage in spiritual experiences even when it's awkward. 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And yours doesn't have to sound like mine. It doesn't have to look like mine. But when every time I open this up and I look at this, or I read this, let me tell you what happened the day I wrote this. I thought about my kids all day long. I thought about God using me in my kid's life all day long. I didn't cross anything off that day. I took 15 minutes and God breathed into my heart and my life new purpose about being a parent. And it lifted me, Right? And that's what, what I want God to, to do in your life. So uh, we, I've gone a little long today, but let me just tell you this. 15 minutes, and if you're in here today and you're like, man, I wanna get started, here's what I want you to do. Four tips. One, start in Matthew or John. You don't have to start at Genesis and read, even though Genesis and Exodus are kind of exciting, then it starts getting crazy. So just start in Matthew or John. If you're reading something that's boring or confusing, skip it, go to something else. Start with one chapter a day. Consistency is more important than quantity. So just start with one chapter. Number three, ask questions. Always ask questions. You're never bothering us to ask questions of the Bible. And then number four, use soap. Use soap. It's not a magic trick. It's not a ritual. It's not a formula. But it's something that we do to say, God, in this moment, will you speak to me? Will you speak to me, God? I don't want to just cross it off a list. I want to be filled with your spirit. Fill my heart, fill my soul, all right? Let's pray.